not only had Epic, uh, Epic's code been put into the Silicon Knights engine, even comments from coders, from Epic's coders, were transferred over. So there was sort of like a wholesale <laughs> copy and paste. And so oh, this man. is non-functional, <laughs> right? So this is non-functional code that you know, um, you know, a programmer might say, "Oh, well, you know, we need to check out this or something like that." These were preserved, including their typographical errors. One of the reasons I'm glad that my email address is kind of freely available for people to drop me a line is that as much as I sometimes get a bunch of random nonsense or signed up for weird stuff, it pays off in weird ways when folks drop me a line about news that they think is interesting and it turns out to be really, really interesting. Uh, for example, uh, Michael Lipkin, who I'm talking to today, uh, is a reporter for uh, the website uh, Law360, uh, which is sort of a, a database uh, of court cases. It's a really easy way to keep track of uh, lawsuits and the progress of them. Uh, and in addition to having uh, a lot of sort of research material to work off of, uh, they're also a news source. Uh, and so uh, Michael is a reporter over there, and he doesn't cover a games beat, but he just randomly got assigned the latest and probably the last twist and turn in the Silicon Knights and Epic Games lawsuit. Uh, this latest one essentially puts the biggest and most final nail in the coffin for uh, Silicon Knights' allegations, which in we go into it in the interview, but basically Silicon Knights sued Epic Games, Epic Games countersued Silicon Knights, and Epic Games uh, completely and utterly won, and some of the weirdness that happened along the way, especially in these final moments, are just, well, you should just listen to the whole thing. Here is my interview with Law360 reporter Michael Lipkin. Why don't you just set up uh, a little bit about who you are, uh, what you do, and uh, how you came to, to write a story about this. Sure, so um, I'm a reporter for... Um a newswire called Law 360, which is aimed at business lawyers, sort of keep them up to date on what's going on. And this just sort of came through on our docket system and got assigned to me. Um, and, you know, I, I jumped at it because I sort of knew the parties involved, but it was basically uh, an appeals decision, the final appeal decision in the Epic and Silicon Knight case, where the appeals court for the Fourth Circuit, which is um, because this is a North Carolina case, ruled on Silicon Knights' objections to the final verdict, which was against them and in favor of Epic. So if, if I remember correctly, so like this all started, you know, ironically enough, with Silicon Knights suing Epic Games, claiming that they had not uh, supported their engine in a capacity that uh, was satisfactory to them, which is what resulted in, or at least what you know, Silicon Knights claimed resulted in a lower quality for for Two Human. You know, a game that that really damaged Silicon Knights uh, as as a studio financially, um, and and for all sorts of other reasons. Um, and then it ended up backfiring because Epic Games countersued, and it seems like we've kind of hit with this sort of a logical conclusion, where Epic Games uh, has kind of sort of won outright. Correct? Yeah. So in this latest ruling. Uh, Epic won on all, all counts, Silicon lost all of their arguments, and you're right, it started in 2007 when Silicon Knights accused Epic 
of not giving them working software. It wasn't up to the standards that they wanted. And also that um, Epic was using the licensing fees from 2Human to make Gears of War, which was a direct competitor in their mind for 2Human. Uh, they also had some claims that they were that Epic was disrupting Silicon Knight's relationships with Microsoft and Sega. And then Epic hit them right back and said, you know, not only do we disagree with you on all of those counts, but you uh, used our code for other games that we did not give you permission to use for. And so not only do you owe us licensing fees for those games, you know, specifically X-Men Destiny, um, but you also owe us profits from those games that you earned because that you had no right to earn because you have to make your own engine unless you signed a licensing deal with us, which you did not do. Right. And then I remember one of the, the twists in this case being, uh, you know, especially with Two Human was that game, you know, early on when it when it was being shown, like the frame rate was this big, big thing that kind of came up over and over again. And, and you know, it was part of the reason that, you know, Silicon Knights said, well, you know, fine, we're just going to kind of do our own thing and, and build our own engine. But one of the things that you pointed out that kind of came to light in this this latest uh, turn in the case is that the court essentially found that Silicon Knights had actually used, I think what I saw was roughly 20% of actual code from the Unreal Engine 3 in developing its own technology. So, you know, it, it really had completely infringed upon on, uh, an Epic, especially given that they weren't, you know, paying a licensing fee. So Silicon Knights' argument was that we only used between half of a percent and two percent of their code. <laughs> it's a very specific <laughs> percent. Exactly. And they said it was just basic mathematical um, formula. It's uh, not covered by copyright. This was like really basic stuff. Um, and that we were, and by we, Silicon Knights was continuing to clean out the Epic code as the process, development process continued. Um, but Epic said that by 2007, around the time that the suit was filed, 20% of the Unreal Engine was still in the Silicon Knights engine. Um, and that was not, uh, you know, the legal term is de minimis. It's so small that it, it doesn't matter in terms of the law. And they said 20% is not de minimis. It's far from it. And the court sided with, with Epic and said 20% is too high um, and that you are liable for this copyright infringement. So, so, I mean, uh, Silicon Knights was essentially arguing that, you know, hey, what we're doing in building an engine is just sort of common knowledge. Like, this is just sort of not technology that is is uh, exclusive to Epic. It's just when you build an engine, like, you do certain things. There are certain commonalities. And even though there's some crossover, it is purely on those common grounds. But that the, you know, Epic presented and the court agreed that uh, what they found in the engine went far beyond that. I mean, one of the most damning things, I think, from the lower court, the, the actual trial court, was that not only had Epic, uh, Epic's code been put into the Silicon Knights engine, even comments from coders, from Epic's coders, were transferred over. So there was sort of like a wholesale <laughs> copy and paste. And so oh, this man. is non-functional, <laughs> right, so this is non-functional code that, you know, um, you know, a programmer might say, oh, well, you know, we need to check out this or something like that. These were preserved, including their typographical errors. <laughs> so I, I, I didn't mean to immediately just start laughing, but that that just seems so so you know uh, so egregious. It feels like when a kind of like a, a child is lying to you, and you can like like come on, like well, you I'm know. not gonna comment on, on that. But the, the district court did say that this was evidence that this was a willful um, copyright infringement. It wasn't just an accident, and that um, Silicon Knights had operated in bad faith. One of Silicon Knights' arguments 
was that Epic wasn't entitled to get back attorney's fees or some amount of attorney's fees because this was a very complex case. And in complex cases, um, oftentimes the prevailing party, the winners, aren't allowed to get back the attorney's fees. And the court basically said, this was really hard and time consuming for Epic because of all of the walls you put up. You, um, in, in your actions, made it harder for them because you were trying to cover up what was happening. They even said there was a cover up of the cover up at one point. Um, so no, you can't use that argument to say that it was too complex to get back money because you're the ones who made it too complex. So, so the, the idea being that um, if it's just a really complex, nuanced case that you know, maybe Silicon Knights would end up, you know, losing and Epic Games was winning. Like, if if the merits of the case just happened to be very complex, then Epic wouldn't have been awarded uh, sort of lawyer fees and, and other things that go alongside that. But Silicon Knights made it unnecessarily complex through these roadblocks and, you know, as you said, the court mentioned a cover-up. So it's not that the case was... It was it was uh, needlessly complex, and so right. they, they weren't aware of that. It was time-consuming, but not necessarily complex in the legal sense. Sort of, the arguments were relatively straightforward, uh, the court said, but the uh, amount of effort Epic had to exert to, you know, prove that the code was copied was unnecessarily large because of Silicon Knight's cover-up, according to the court. In in the the paperwork that you you've read like the you know when you use the term cover up like did they give any sense of like what that meant was it like silicon knights that, was just un- unresponsive had, yeah so silicon knights had removed copyright notices from epic in the code and replaced it with their own is what the court cited as part of the cover up so you know if you looked at the code um, immediately you'd say oh copyright silicon knights this is silicon knights code but in fact they had just deleted according to the opinion the epic copyright so for, you know, I think, you know, myself and a lot of other folks that, you know, don't have a good sense of the legal system, like, you know, a lot of these things make, you know, big headlines up front. And then, you know, you reaching out and, and letting me know about this latest change, like, you know, it's just kind of a case that I think the last major headline we heard about it was, you know, that like games are gonna have to be taken off shelves, you know, as a and, result and destroyed, of right? Yeah, yeah. And um, I think this is still an interesting twist in the case but part of it you know when you think about the legal system it's like well there's an appeal and there's an appeal and there's an appeal and it's at some point it becomes really hard to kind of keep track of like do you have a sense of is this does this bring some like finality to this case is there any other avenue for epic or silicon knights to to reasonably pursue going forward so i haven't um you know i reached out to the lawyers on both sides they they didn't get back to me for my piece um so I don't have anything straight from them saying whether they plan on further appeals. But basically the way it works is there was a, a decision in the trial court. The jury said, you know, this is what we think. We think that Epic is the victor here. And then the judge in that case said, okay, and then here are what the damages are. And then Silicon Knights appealed to, you know, the, the Court of Appeals, which is in between trial court and Supreme Court in the American uh, justice system. And they said, you know, there are all these substantive problems. And then the appeals court said on Monday, uh, January 6th, um, we disagree with you for a variety of technical reasons. And they sent the case back down to that lower court. And the lower court um, issued a very brief, like one sentence pro forma statement yesterday, or not statement, but uh, ruling yesterday that said, given that the appeals court did not agree with Silicon Knights, we're going to go ahead with the verdict we have already entered, and they're going to because the money hasn't, from what I understand, changed hands yet. So, mm-hmm. and also I'm not sure whether Silicon Knights has the money. That's unclear too. Um, 
but the, the trial court is in the mode right now of achieving finality. It doesn't appear that there are other grounds um, for appeal. There's something called an on-bank hearing, which is where uh, normally in an appeals case like this one, only three judges hear it out of 10 or 12. You can ask for a full hearing before the appeals court, but these are extremely rare. Um, there also doesn't seem, seem to be any constitutional issues that would merit uh, some sort of Supreme Court appeal. Cool, man. Take care. See ya. Bye.